Hey everybody, this is Andy, aka Love Retro BTW, across Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I do a podcast every Saturday called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast, a retrospective look at the wonderful world of retro gaming, from interviews to guests. Join us every Saturday, like a Saturday morning cartoon, starting at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on Twitter, Please join the brand new retro gaming community, a place to share, connect, and show your love for the retro gaming community. All the links are down below. And remember, enjoy the Gamers Week podcast. Coming up on Gamers Week podcast. I have no idea what on earth they're going to do with Mortal Kombat 12 that's going to make it meaningfully different than Mortal Kombat 11. What if they made it, they changed the art style for it and they made it all the characters uh, like in chibi art and, <laughs> you know, you're. Is it still bloody though? Yes. Extre- like even more so, right? Like. <laughs> oh, tell me they have high pitched voices. So Scorpion. <laughs> Get over here. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> Draw the line of pizza, but 69, as long as everybody looks good and is hygienic, always good. <laughs> yeah. What the hell did I walk into? There's some nasty pizza. There is some nasty pizza. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> In particular, what, what's like for you, what's nasty pizza? Is it just like pineapple on it? No, no. no I like pineapple on pizza. Okay, good. Um, good. Good man. Domino's. That's nasty pizza, right? Um, like Little Caesars. That's another case of nasty pizza. But the one factor with pizza at Little Caesars is you're getting it for $5. (laughs) Not anymore. I think it costs six or seven. Yeah. Inflation on Little Caesars. Hard times, man. It's no longer $5 footlongs at Subway. It's $6.83 footlongs. (laughs) It rolls right off the tongue. Or not even that. It's like a 10-incher. It's not a full 12. If you are promised 12 inches, you better deliver on the full 12 inches. Uh, how often are you promised <laughs> inches <laughs> and actually get them? I'm just saying. I, it's not a specific scenario. And if I'm talking about snowfall. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> They're usually pretty close. <laughs> All right, boys, should we get this started? We shall. Yup. Okie doke. Welcome to Gamers Week Podcast. Like the name says, we analyze the best, worst, and weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry. This is episode 69, dudes. 69, dudes. Excellent. (laughs) Ironically enough, right now it is 69 degrees. Hey, yo. And today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. My name is Blue Williams, and I'll be your host this evening. But I am not alone. I do have my two fine co-hosts with me. My first co-host is a peach aficionado who pays for his lap dances with loose change. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and my second co-host likes the smell of French fry scented lingerie. <laughs> See, now I don't know which one is which. <laughs> <laughs> and that tells you everything you need to know about Gamers Week Podcast. Please say hello to Ryan Payne, a.k.a. Retro Game Brews, and the one and only Donnie G. And by the way, um, it's Canadian change. Thank you very much. I like to be a little bit international, a cosmopolitan when I, uh, I get my lap dances. Just uh, I got a pocket full of loonies and toonies, man. If you use Canadian change in the United States, do they technically get more? Uh, you get less. Uh, less, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a baller on a budget, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This Monday, the 24th, instead of recording our normal patron-only bonus cast, we'll be doing a live podcast on our Twitch channel. The show will start at 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, so follow us at twitch.tv slash gamersweekpodcast to tune in. And last time we did one of these, it was super fun. This time, it's a up in the air whether Donnie will remember to hit the record <laughs> broadcast no, no, no. button. No, no, so no. you may want to tune in live just in case. <laughs> it's there. All all of the episodes, all the videos get saved for I think a minimum of like one week or two weeks. So I can download it, put it up on our YouTube, and we're now a Twitch affiliate channel. So we can Ooh. have subscribers and we have emotes and stuff like that and a whole treasure trove of things to do and giveaways and a way to give back to our patrons of the podcast. And we got that dongle emote, right? Dongle. I am in the process of creating the dongle emote. Okay. As long as we have a dongle emote, uh, we're good to go. <laughs> All right. Let's get the show started with our reviews, reactions, and requests. SMB Flurry said, there is a middle ground between the Switch and the Steam Deck, which is nice, but expensive and large. If mm -hmm. Sony made something the size of a Vita that's more powerful than the Switch, it could be very successful, especially if it's embraced by indie game makers. A gamer looks at 40 says the handheld space is already getting overcrowded. Disagree. Maybe unrelated, <laughs> but I think Sony overvalues their proprietary IPs. God of War and Horizon, both available on PC now, can't sell systems anymore. They don't have Mario or Breath of the Wild in the catalog. And Games with Coffee said, did I just hear a name drop for video and arcade top 10? I can tell you so much about that show. My favorite growing up. Also, the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog is hilarious because it makes fun of everything that we make fun of about the Sonic the Hedgehog series. And it is fabulous. Based on his description of that game, I think I do want to play it. Mm -hmm. He's hyped it up so much. On twitch.tv slash gamersweekpodcast. <laughs> Blue Williams will be playing it. She'll be streaming oh. it. You have got to stop lying to people about that. <laughs> it's not a lie if I believe it. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> All right, Maestro, count me in. Three, two, one. It's time for the very important poll. Brought straight from hell with rock and roll. Hearing your responses is the goal. We don't care if you are a troll. This song sucks hotter than a black hole. It's time for you to bear your soul. For this week's very important poll. Bravo! Holy <laughs> <laughs> 
If I had a pocket full of ones, I'd be throwing them right at you, buddy. <laughs> Beautiful. I will take all your ones. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I need to bring an extra bra to throw on the stage or something. <laughs> so the, the the very important poll is just it's it's continuing to be a one upper, a one upper, a one upper. Like what's next? A full fledged opera? Yeah, I'm gonna get like a an entire like Philharmonic Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hire Andrea Bocelli to do mine next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one upping has been between you two. I'm just trying not to get embarrassed when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Blue Williams bringing in the rear. <laughs> it's 69, dude. Somebody's got to do that. <laughs> All right. So every Monday on Twitter, we post our VIP or very important poll. So if you'd like to participate, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC. So the question for this week was, what is your favorite Nintendo handheld? In a surprising third place, the 3DS comes in at 26.1% of the vote, the original Game Boy at 26.8% of the vote, and the Game Boy Advance. Not advanced, like I put it. I got an um actually on that one. You sure did. You can count on Twitter. (laughs) Actually, this was through Discord. Um, No, there was one on Twitter, too. Oh, was there? Yeah, you got um actually more than once on that. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, With (laughs) 37.4% of the vote, the Game Boy Advance wins it this week. But 9.8% of you said other, so let's take a look at some of the comments from the poll. First off, from Zenpath, I'd have to go with the DS slash DS Lite. Such an adventurous generation with game design, while also allowing for the older GBA titles to be easily enjoyed. Next up is Pathfinder Cast says, um, I'm going to have to pick the Switch. I can play Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, along with other console games on it. Not until recently. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it is accurate right now. You're right. It yep. is. You're right. He was holding on to that response. <laughs> Next up is Mike Digital says the SPAGS 101 is so sexy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Pradius Maximus says Game Boy Color, Pokemon Gold, Wario Land 3, Mario Golf slash Tennis, Kirby's Tilt and Tumble, Pokemon Pinball, etc. Love my GBA, but the GBC is number one for me. And last up from the Ludinarian says the Mario Bros. Game & Watch, weirdest thing about it, back when it was still relatively new, every now and then it would play Beethoven's Fear Elise. Fear Elise. Good enough. Like in the middle of the night. Creeped me out, and now I hate that song. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I mispronounce Beethoven. Uh, I've watched Bill and Ted, and it is the 69th episode. So I would like to to reiterate that it's pronounced Beethoven, according to Bill and Ted. Beethoven? Yep. (laughs) If you phonetically say it out, it's Beethoven. (laughs) Beethoven? All right, so take a look at our options for the week. Donnie, what did you go with? Uh, I picked other, but honestly... Tell the people how much you love handhelds. Tell them. I I like them. I do. I own a Game Boy, a Game Boy Color, a Game Boy Advance, a Game Boy Advance SP. I have a lot of handhelds. It's just like back in the day, I couldn't, my, my family couldn't afford that. I didn't, I didn't have my first handheld until maybe 2004 when I got an advanced SP, the, the actual uh, Nintendo controller one. 
that my wife bought me for my birthday, and I ended up selling a couple of like a year later, which I I kicked myself in the butt for doing that. Um, I have a 3ds. I I just I, I'm not familiar with the libraries of these handhelds as much as someone like Blue is. So I really don't have a favorite one. If I were to go by looks, I'd say the Advance SP. Well, it is sexy, like they said. It's very sexy. Blue, what about you? Nintendo has made so many amazing handhelds that I'm not actually sure there's a bad answer on this list. But my heart is always going to be with the OG Game Boy. That is the one I had growing up. And while I wanted every single handheld that came out, it wasn't until I was like well into my adult life that I actually was able to pick up these things. So the one that I grew up with, the one that kept me company on uh, many a day, many a night, when my parents said, nope, you've had your video game time, turn off the TV and go do something else. Okay, I'll just go to my bedroom and play quietly on my Game Boy and (laughs) not play video games. Sure. So the Game Boy meant a lot to me growing up. And so it is always, always, always going to be my favorite. Nice. What about you, Ryan? So uh, I'm going to argue one thing. You said that they've never made a bad handheld. Technically. Oh, boy. The Virtual Boy is considered a handheld, <laughs> according to Nintendo. Oh, so. no. Wow. Yes. And you're going to say that's your favorite just to be pedantic? No, no, no. But, you know, I should. I really should. <laughs> it sounds like something you would do. <laughs> and I wanted to say something for the Super Boy, but that's not technically a Nintendo handheld. Even though it plays Super Nintendo games, the Hyperkin Super Boy is basically the Sega Nomad that we always wanted as a kid uh, for the Super Nintendo. So I can't go with that one. So the next choice is going to be the one that I think I had the most fun with. Even though my Game Boy, I played it all the time on road trips and all these kinds of things, you know. But it, it was more of a, a one-player experience for that, where the Game Boy Advance SP, that was something that my brother picked up. It was the red clamshell one. And we ended up playing games together quite a bit, passing it back and forth or working together to get to a certain section on like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance or playing Advance Wars on it. So that to me was probably my favorite gaming experiences growing up. So I think I got to go with that one, even though it's honestly, it's really hard not to say the the regular Game Boy, Mm -hmm. but got to go with nostalgia. That's what a poll like this is all about. That's right. Straight from hell. (laughs) (laughs) Brought to you by Rock and Roll. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our patron shout outs. We couldn't do what we do without the help of our gorgeous patrons. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. The Real Retro Game Brews, Fruitcake's number one stand, Ducks with Thick Thighs, <laughs> Blue's number two sick voice fan, also a fan of Blue's regular voice, Blue is always right, usually, what the hell is going on here? I know, I know, what is this? Suck it up, boys, they're uh-huh. my fans now. Elite tier Blue fan achievement unlocked, Blue's fan club, now with more members than RGB and Donny G's combined, I hate you, whoever you are, I hate you, <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's ghost, <laughs> Wizard of Zardoz, Bob's the Dugnut, Retro Blast Pat, Orgasmo 3000, Great Siaman 81, BNT Zilla Guy, Geek With That, Johnny Boombots, Crunchy Kong, Sheriff Snacks, Frank Grande, Love Retro BTW, Steven Sand, Ramboski, Terry Kinnair, Ducks in Disguise, Jim and Colleen, 
Games with Coffee, Hybrid Divide, You Fall Before Me, Davey PGH, The Red Ox PDX Family, including Shannon and Luke, Zach Huge Thanks, Number One Blue Sick Voice Fan, Another One, Random Retro Dude, Princess Kitty Mew Mew, Rai Rai Secret Best Friend, Mega Retro Man, Gametroid, Emo-esque, and Bill Tucker. If you like what you hear today, and we really hope you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the cost of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing, like prizes and giveaways. You'll also gain access to our weekly patron-only bonus cast called Gamers Week Uncut, Patrons with Benefits. Visit patreon.com slash gamersweek, or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. Did I say nor? <laughs> do you want to redo it? No, I like it the way it is. Let's keep it. <laughs> All, right, All right. Keep this part too. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's move on to our headline segment, which is, of course, proudly sponsored by the Retro Game Club podcast. It's a fantastic, family-friendly retro gaming podcast. In each episode, Rob and Hugh pick two games to play and discuss, as well as news, interviews, and other topics. Right now, they want to know which games were system sellers for you. Send your answers to email at retrogameclub.net or follow the link in the show notes. Ooh, that's a damn good question. For me, it's, I think I've talked about this before. Halo was absolutely a system seller. All of my friends were playing it. I actually wasn't going to get an Xbox. I was on PlayStation at the time. And you know what? After going over people's houses, getting my hands on the Duke and playing some Halo, (laughs) um, me and my brother saved up, bought a Halo specific console. And that was absolutely the best experience I've had with buying a system for a game rather than buying the system because it had a lot of great games. I've always been a person that has bought the system and not the game. So as far back as the original PlayStation, I'd seen other people play like Tekken and Battle Arena Toshinden and whatnot. And I was like, oh, I need to go get a PlayStation to be able to play these games. But the only system that I can really think of that made me really want to go out and uh, get it because of a specific game was a Super Nintendo when I played Super Mario World the first time. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I played it at a friend's house and I'm like, whoa, like, whoa, oh my God. Like, I know Super Mario Brothers 3, but the color palette, the music and everything for Super Mario World, I was like, holy crap, like, I, I have to get this. And I did. I will 100% agree with Super Mario World, and I will add on the Super Mario Kart. Those were the two reasons that I Mm -hmm. had to have a Super Nintendo, would die, honestly, without a Super Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) But for a different answer, I will say Breath of the Wild sold me on the Switch. Nice. Now, I know technically it was also on the Wii U, but when I saw it on the Switch, I was like, I have to have it, and... Never looked back. I love that game, and I love the Switch. (laughs) Nice. All right, first up from GameSpot, Sega confirms plans to acquire Angry Birds developer Rovio for $776 million. Sega has officially confirmed that it is planning to acquire Rovio Entertainment, a deal that will see the video game company pay $776 million for the Angry Birds developer. The deal is being described as friendly takeover that has the full support of Rovio's board of directors. Sega says that acquiring Rovio will allow it to strengthen its own mobile game portfolio and it will be able to use the video game console expertise to help Rovio expand beyond mobile devices. 
Among the rapidly growing global gaming market, the mobile gaming market has especially high potential, and it has been Sega's long-term goal to accelerate its expansion in this field, says Haruki Satomi, president and group CEO of Sega Sammy. Rovio will become part of Sega Europe, the UK-based arm of the company that includes studios like Creative Assembly, Relic Entertainment, and Two Point Studios. Earlier this year, Rovio generated some controversy after it delisted the original Angry Birds paid game on Android and renamed it on iOS due to its impact on the studio's wider games portfolio. While Sega's acquisition of Rovio isn't cheap, it still pales in comparison to some of the other big deals that have been made over the last few years for studios, including Sony's $3.6 billion acquisition of Destiny 2 developer Bungie, the Saudi Arabia public investment fund of $4.9 billion, billion to purchase Scopely and the Microsoft's pending $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard that's slowly inching closer to reality. Uh, I think we should round the 68.7 up to uh, 69. Uh, okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I like it. So, Donnie, you said that Sega's going to be doing big things. Yeah, <sighs> Sega's going to be back in a big way. Was mobile games what you meant? No! <laughs> I, like, Angry Birds? Is that even still a thing? Do people even, like, like Angry Birds or pay it or pay enough money to play the game? Oh. Jesus! It got a movie, right? Yeah, a long time ago. A long time ago? What year did they come out? 2015, I think? 2016. Okay, six years ago, long time ago. It's before I even knew you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with so it then. You're paying almost $1 billion for Angry Birds. Well, they're not paying for Angry Birds, they're paying for the developer. And Angry Birds is just the only thing they've done of note that's worth mentioning that people know. Because if that's the only thing that they've done of, of note, why would you pay that much money for the developer, not the IP? <laughs> I think you're probably paying for both, but it, right, right. it speaks to the viability of mobile gaming, like we talked about before, where it, it makes money hand over fist and nobody can figure out why, why you're paying for, you know, extra spins in Candy Crush or you're paying for the, the hat for your character and whatever little right. dress up game or I don't know, I don't mobile game, but it seems like people don't mind being nickel and dimed to death in these things. And you can eventually make millions upon millions of dollars with these dumb little games. And speaking of nickel and dime, how much do you want to bet that some of the decision that's been made for this has to do with the fact that Sega Sammy is one of the largest producers of pachinko machines in the world? And they're going to be like, oh, look at all of these angry bird pachinko machines oh my that we can now use. So I'm on the Rovio.com website and on the games page, it's got two links for Angry Birds and everything else. <laughs> yeah, Steve. Angry Birds and other games. <laughs> Do we need that many Angry Birds games? No, of course well, not. Well, if they weren't profitable, <laughs> they wouldn't be making them. Uh, you've got a point, but my God, is that just like oversaturated? Here's a new paint job of Angry Birds, but now, now a better way for you to give us your money. Open up your wallets. I mean, in defense of this industry, which you all know that I hate, people vote with their dollars. And if this mm -hmm. stuff didn't make money, they wouldn't make it. Yeah, it's true. How much you want to bet that they come out with a Sonic and Tails game that's Angry Sonic and Tails? 
Yeah, I was gonna make a joke <laughs> like that where you're like shooting Sonic at towers, I guess, trying to knock down Ooh. Eggman. You spin him, you spin him, you spin him, you spin him, you let him go. Bing! The faster yeah. he spins, the more damage you do. <laughs> you just described Sonic Spinball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a mobile game, yeah, man. Yeah, and you can pay to win, unlike Sonic Spinball. <laughs> kind of wish you could pay to win with Sonic yeah, Spinball. That guy's hard <laughs> as hell. <laughs> I mean, I was able to one credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. Sonic Spinball on a mobile, you spend $10, you get 25 extra flippy flips. Flippy flips, yes. With the flippers. <laughs> That's a technical term in the industry. Flippy yeah, flips. flippy flips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that obviously the intention of, of Sega acquiring Rovio is so that they could make use of the popularity of Angry Birds and that name recognition, but surely they intend on expanding the portfolio into other things. And if Rovio wants to expand into consoles as well, if if the back scratching is going to go both ways, they've got to have developers in there in the company that are just dying to be allowed to make something else, but right. money keeps telling them they can't. No, they've got them tied up and they're squeezing those udders dry until the <laughs> last bit of liquid comes out and it's just <laughs> dust. Instead of dusted, it will actually be a little feather. The last like angry bird's feather. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. So that's what happened at the end of Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> From IGN, Nintendo hacker Gary Bowser, released from prison, still owes millions. Gary Bowser, a man sentenced in 2021 to 40 months in prison and a $14.5 million fine for his role in a Nintendo hacking group team executor, has just been released from jail. But it's possible the massive amount of money he now owes in restitution may impact the entire rest of his life and livelihood. Bowser was indicted back in 2020 alongside Max Warren and Wanning Chen for their activities as part of Team Executor, a hacking ring that sold chips, allowing users to play pirated games. Despite seemingly having a smaller role in the operation as its marketing and PR manager, Bowser was the only one of the three ultimately tried and convicted in the U.S. Chen, a Chinese national, was never arrested, and Luan was never able to be extradited to the U.S., Bowser says he's awaiting processing before being sent home to Canada, having gotten out of prison early on good behavior. Bowser? Good behavior? What? (laughs) Bowser claims that of the $14.5 million he owes, he has only been able to pay off $175 thus far, taken out in $25 monthly installments from his income from a job in the prison library. Should Bowser find a job at home, he says his pay will continue to be docked until the full amount is paid off though his agreement with Nintendo only allows between 25% to 30% of his pay to be docked at a time. Previously, Bowser stated that while Team Executor earned at least tens of millions of dollars of proceeds, he himself only received a small fraction of that. Nintendo has historically been extremely aggressive when dealing with hackers and other perceived violations of its copyright, having previously gone after influencers, modders, ROM sites, and even other video games. During Bowser's trial, U.S. District Judge Robert Lasnick reportedly said that Bowser's sentence was in part a message to deter other hackers. So, does anyone else feel like this is too much? Oh, God, I feel so bad for Gary Andy Dufresne Bowser. (laughs) Gary? (laughs) Gary? (laughs) Apparently, Gary Bowser is 53 years old. 
Oh, Jesus. There, there's no reasonable expectation that he's ever going to be able to pay off that money, that much money. No. And Nintendo must know this. They must know that a man of that age, he's going to live, let's ballpark another 20 to 40 years. And he's going to pay it off 25% to 30% of his paycheck at a time. There's no way. There's no possible way. I mean, I feel like his best course forward might be to release some sort of memoir. So he could get some sort of book deal. And that might make a tiny little dent in it. If he gets a really great book deal, he'd probably get some sort of six-figure contract. But that's not... That's not going to do anything to get rid of $14.5 million. And I also wonder if they're getting interest on top of that. But mm-hmm. Nintendo has to know that he's not going to pay it off. And that means that that company is willing to essentially cripple a man's financial future based solely on vindictiveness, based on they're going to make an example of this guy did they really receive $14.5 million worth of damage over this? Right. I ain't think so. No. And they said that the company made like, what, $10 million or something like that? It says tens of millions of dollars of proceeds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you if you wanted to think about that, maybe more than $14.5 billion, or million, not billion. Woo. <laughs> uh, it's possible that could have been the damages. But to pin it all on one guy, clearly not really involved in the, the whole process. I mean, how does one become a PR and marketing manager for a, <laughs> like a black market company? <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, man, obviously, yes, they are making an example of them. They threw the book at them and they're trying to deter others. But at the end of the day, there there has to be some kind of justice for this, right? I mean, that's that's just a ridiculous amount. Yeah, justice is one thing, but going completely over the top and essentially let's ruin this guy, yeah. even though he's not the problem. Like it says, there was a whole team that was involved and you just got your hands on the only one you could find, but he's not the problem. And doing this to this guy is not going to stop people from pirating stuff. I'm sorry, it's just not. It might stop people from publicly selling it, which I suppose is something. But if it says that the company made tens of millions of dollars, it is possible that Nintendo was hurt $14.5 million worth of damage from lost sales. But I'm also going to say that if you're buying pirated chips, you weren't going to spend that money on games anyway. Nope. I think all what you're going to say is that it's just going to find its way to China uh, completely. Nobody in the US or Canada is going to be willing to touch that, but it's still going to be out there. <laughs> so right. regardless of where it comes from. But moral of the story is if you live in the US or Canada, don't be a PR manager for a company that sells <laughs> black market. <laughs> right. Or at least flee to a country where that doesn't have extradition. There we go. Right. Yeah, and I don't know what this guy's situation was. Like, did he, does he have money saved away that, uh, I mean, hopefully he was smart enough and not just like, oh, I got, well, I got $2 million from these guys. I'll put it in a normal checking account, you know, that only gets like 0.1% of interest or whatever. Hopefully he was a little bit smarter than that from being working with a hacking group. But wouldn't you think that maybe, maybe the people that he worked with, out of the kindness of their hearts, they're like, hey, we know you owe this money. Really? I have. I'm just I, I'm being I'm being an optimist, which is my nature. Maybe his counterparts <laughs> are saying like it's like we got you. Like I'll I'll give you a million dollars. It's untraceable. You can live off this. You can go get a job at Walmart being a greeter. Screw them. Screw Nintendo. They can have your twenty dollars out of your paycheck. 
And there you go. You have this money to, to live out the rest of your life. Maybe that's an option. I suppose we can hope that his compatriots were compassionate enough to help him out afterwards, even if they were willing to let him take the fall for all of them. That's the big thing. Somehow I feel like uh, a bunch of guys who are making pirated stuff for Nintendo consoles don't don't live in this concept of integrity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on that one. Yeah, just, uh, just a thought. <laughs> they probably said, you know what? Sorry, you took the fall. They couldn't catch us. Sucks to be you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gary Bowser, he needs to put out a memoir. He needs to sell story rights so that it becomes a movie. Or he could just, like you said, let's work minimum wage jobs the rest of our life and screw you, Nintendo. You're not getting the money. I hope what happens is that Gary gets like a really cool government job with Canada about anti-hacking stuff like uh, the guy from Catch Me If You Can. Or works for Nintendo, right? To like be like, hey, this is how we hacked it. This is what what we did. And... Gets a job doing that. And then Nintendo's like, yeah, you know what? Don't worry about it. You helped us out. (laughs) I don't see either of those things happening. Mostly because, as we said, he was the marketing and PR guy. (laughs) Well, how would you market these? (laughs) (laughs) Bowser's just going to be trapped in that small little metal cage with a small little tiny piano for the rest of his life. Peaches, 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 peaches. <laughs> That's a nice uh, segue. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Next up from VGC, Jack Black's Peaches from the Super Mario Brothers movie enters the Billboard Hot 100. Peaches, the song performed by Jack Black's Bowser in the Super Mario Brothers movie, has entered the Billboard Hot 100. The song, which was written by Jack Black, Aaron Horvath, Michael Jelenic, Eric Osman, and John Spiker, marks Black's first appearance on the U.S. chart as a solo artist. He previously appeared on the chart alongside his collaborator Kyle Gass as part of their band Tenacious D. The song, which memorably features in the film as a love letter to Princess Peach, has entered the chart at number 83 and has racked up over 5.8 million streams, according to Billboard, which compiles streams from Spotify, Apple Music, and other large services, as well as traditional radio play. Peaches has become a viral hit following the release of the film, with over 17 million views on YouTube and almost triple that on TikTok. The Super Mario Brothers movie has now generated well over half a billion dollars worldwide, making it the highest grossing film of 2023 and the biggest video game adaptation in history. It's now expected to cross the billion dollar milestone. While the film has been a box office hit, the Super Mario Brothers movie has divided viewer opinion. Among professional critics, it currently has a 58% rating on review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes. It appears to be doing notably better with moviegoers, however, with over 10,000 verified reviews on the site delivering a current average score of 96%. Damn. That's a lot. People love it. I love the fact that this song is hitting the top 100 billboard charts. It does seem like Jack Black kind of created this perfect storm of a an opportunity where <laughs> everybody loves Jack Black and it's just an opportunity for him to get more music out there to people. And the craziest part for him, I mean, he started off as, obviously as an actor and loved music and you know he's big into to rock and stuff and he's really utilized that like double talent uh in a lot of his 
movies and and shows and then obviously creating a band and it's just it's great to see that he's kind of back if you will like jack black is back baby and uh (laughs) the fact that he's been doing interviews as well in uh like a child's bowser costume yes all associated wardrobe (laughs) malfunctions aside (laughs) exactly uh i think just adds to the the mystique of this and the fact that people loved the song from the movie it is extremely catchy i get it it's it's a ballad about princess peach and it's sung by jack black i i I don't think i could have envisioned something better in my dreams and you know what i i gotta be honest prior to to like this whole thing coming out i went jack black is bowser like that doesn't doesn't quite fit my expectations you know i was expecting something a little bit more menacing but uh he plays the character right the song is perfect so i i I imagine they were like hey jack do you want to sing a song in the movie he's like hell yeah (laughs) let's do this (laughs) and then he was like all right what do you want to be like it's a ballad on the piano he's like got this and and came out with the song i can only envision that that's that's what happened because that sounds so jack black I'm not surprised to hear that the Super Mario Brothers movie has become quickly become the most successful video game adaptation mm-hmm. ever because it's it's such a household name all over the world and it has been since the 80s. I mean as much as people love Sonic, as much as people love I don't know what are some other video game adaptations that have done well, as much as people Tomb love Raider. Tomb Raider, the one that was always going to make it was Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the only w- other one that might have given it a, a run for its money would have been Pokemon, but uh, Detective Pikachu didn't. So. And I really like that movie. I just want to say it's twisty. It's very twisty. <laughs> and it worked. It worked so well. <laughs> uh, the, the coffee scene. <laughs> it's just uh, uh, sit at the bar, asking for more coffee. And oh, man, there's so many good moments of that. But to your point, Mario Brothers. Knowing what they knew about what happened in 1993, I, they didn't have to come out with something that was fun and amazing and groundbreaking. They could have come out with something that was just okay, mm-hmm. and it still would have crushed it at the at the box office. But it seems like people are really enjoying it. People actually are going out and droves, seeing it again several times. They really, really like it. I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% in that camp. I'm somewhere in between. I'm not a 58 on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm not a 96 either. <laughs> <laughs> and Donnie, you liked it too. Yes, it was a good watch. Uh, very fun and entertaining. A lot of fan service. Not too much that was drowned out, but it was, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, I found the fan service to be subtle, which is nice. It's not in your face. Right. And in fact, I, I guarantee you, I'm going to go back and watch it and just slow it down and just be like, what did I, what I miss? What I miss? Yeah. Pause it you for know? every single frame to see yeah. if something pops in. <laughs> I mean, you could make like a, a bingo card drinking game for that. Ooh, oh, there you go. That's what we do. There you go. That might be the thing that would get me to watch this. <laughs> be a face before half the movie's over with because <laughs> <laughs> i mean then it then there's a a game to play along with you watch it like i i really try to steer clear of kids movies uh, i don't care for them so i most of the movies that we talked about i haven't seen and i i don't particularly intend to see this but if there was a a game like that in bingo card i gotta just keep my eye open for the the easter eggs and and sure that'd be down for that well, it's not going to be a little drink because in the first five minutes in the like punch out 
tavern or whatever, there is just a treasure trove of Easter eggs and uh, fan service. You would be sitting there like chugging. Like, well, it's not that every time. It's only what matches your bingo card. So, oh, good point. Yeah, good point. I'm not. I'm not trying to be hospitalized by the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm gonna power through it. <laughs> okay, I'll play with white claws. How's that? Ooh, heartburn. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the hospital, we've got another one. <laughs> Saw the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> yes, we need to stop it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top three new releases. Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. Finally! <laughs> it's been 84 years. Right. And I'm still waiting for that email to say, hey, your pre-order is now going to be... Shipped. Can't wait. All right. Lead a cast of colorful characters in fun turn-based battles with two classic campaigns from the beloved Advance Wars series. The fully remade from the ground up, move land, air, and naval units across the battlefield. Take down enemy units and capture cities and bases to secure victory for your side. Keep an eye on different types of terrain and weather as you build and command a variety of units across multiple missions. Ready to test your tactical talent? Challenge a friend online to a 1v1 battle and prove your strategic skills. Next up is Minecraft Legends for PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Discover the mysteries of Minecraft Legends, a new action strategy game. Explore a gentle land of rich resources and lush biomes on the brink of destruction. The ravaging piglins have arrived and it's up to you to inspire your allies and lead them in strategic battles to save the overworld. And last up, Dead Island 2, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. I know. I mean, that's what it said. Maybe this is old information. I don't know. (laughs) No, if you can figure out how to get it on Stadia, they'll give it to you for free. All right, Dead Island 2 is a unique formula of horror, dark humor, and the -the over-the-top zombie slaying, spanning an epic pulp adventure. The thrilling first-person action RPG takes a player across a brand new playground. Explore iconic, gore-drenched Los Angeles, meet larger-than-life characters, slay countless foes in exquisitely bloody detail. Whether you're slicing, smashing, burning, or ripping, we want you to truly feel it! become the ultimate zombie slayer so take a look at these three blue what are you in for this week well uh probably gonna skip advance wars as much as tactical war games sound great uh probably not for me i don't like your tone (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay with that Uh, i've never gotten into minecraft though an action strategy game it sounds like it could be fun. I'd be open to something like that. The one that really draws me in is Dead Island 2, horror game, dark humor, zombie slaying. The only bad part is it's first person. So of the three, that's the one that I'm most interested in. And I might have to suck it up and see if I can play a first person game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why does that bring you so much joy? Doing something you don't like to do. Yes. But again, my question, why does that bring you so much joy? (laughs) It's a weird kink. (laughs) Donnie's a sadist, but for no one else but Blue. (laughs) 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 Yay me. (laughs) All right, Donnie, what about you? 
Nothing, 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 nothing. Every time we make a joke tonight, it's going to be a riff on the Peaches song. Most of these games do not scratch me where I itch. I could care less about Advance Wars 1 and 2. I've never been into Minecraft. The only one I would even consider is Dead Island 2. I've seen the gameplay. It looks very cool. If I can explore all of Los Angeles, killing zombies and stuff like that, okay, maybe. But I've never played the original Dead Island. Um, I'm always in for dark humor and horror, but uh, I don't know. I I just, I, I don't know if I could really get into this game. If I have to play it and don't really want to, then I think you should too. Well, it comes out in what, two days, three days? Do it on Twitch. <coughs> I've got so many games I need to play. Blue can play. Blue can play Dead Island 2 on no, Twitch. Oh, stop lying no, to whoa, people. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what about you? Well, you already know I'm getting Advance Wars 1 and 2, so I'm not going to talk about that one. And Dead Island. I I just feel like there's a an abundance of zombie killing games. I don't know if I need one more in my life. I'll pass on this one, I think. Especially because I didn't ever play the first one. So When the zombie apocalypse comes and your zombie slaying skills are not up to snuff, you're going to regret that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. And if the zombie apocalypse comes, I'll just take care of it beforehand. Because <laughs> uh, I've seen The Walking Dead. I've seen... Uh, Dawn of the Dead. I've seen all those those movies and uh, and shows, and I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit this one out, guys. <laughs> that got dark. <laughs> so that leaves me with Minecraft Legends, and I I personally have never really gotten into a Minecraft game, but considering that this is a different spin on it, a new action strategy game with it, I think I'd be willing to give it a shot. You know, I know that Minecraft is hugely popular, and I at least want to give it a try. Yeah, a million bajillion people can't be wrong about Minecraft. Right, exactly. I mean, they could. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not, though. (laughs) All right, this month we are giving away a brand new copy of Minecraft Legends for the Nintendo Switch. To enter the giveaway, look for Retro Gamers Pen Tweet on Friday morning, April 21st, and give our Twitter account at GamersWeekPC a follow. Retweet for one entry. If you want two more entries, comment with a picture or screenshot of you listening to episode 69 for a possible total of three entries. Entries will be accepted from Friday, April 21st to Tuesday, April 25th. And you're already listening to the episode, so you might as well enter now before you forget. I need to go tell my kids to go to bed. Be right back. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. It's bedtime. What is happening? Just listen. <laughs> I think he was singing Peaches. I totally was singing Peaches. If this doesn't make the episode, oh, it's hundred percent so making the episode. Okay, Don't get worry. Don't get worry. You know me better than that. Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm back. All right. You want to want to start <clears throat> this again? Yes. All right. Let's move on to our main topic for the evening. From what culture? Ten rumored video games that could release in 2023. 
The rumor mill is always turning, and of course, you shouldn't believe everything you read. All the same, it's fun to dream, right? In this list, we'll take a look at some rumors for the rest of the year in gaming that have at least some potential for validity. Hopefully, by the end of 2023, we can say that all of these dreams came true. Number 10, Metroid Prime 2 and 3. While Metroid Prime Remastered was a very welcome surprise in every way, immediately fans started asking about the game's sequels, Echoes, and Corruption. Now, it doesn't take a genius to consider the possibility that this is all part of a long lead-up to the end of the excruciatingly long wait for Metroid Prime 4. The series has been dormant for 16 years, so new players at least need the ability to play previous entries to catch up before Samus's grand return, whenever that may be. Coming in at number nine is Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora was first announced in 2017 for release in 2022, surely alongside the blockbuster sequel The Way of Water. However, as this time approached, the game was pushed back to a rather non-specific 2023 to 2024 window. Apparently, on the back end of the Ubisoft store, the title is ready to go live for purchase, and one anonymous source even dropped a look at the game's pre-order bonuses. Most games don't gear up for pre-orders more than a few months in advance, so it's possible that Frontiers of Pandora is looking for a summer release. I really wish I could say to my boss, you know, I'll just get it done between 2023 and 2024. (laughs) As long as your back end's ready to go. (laughs) Well played. All right, number eight, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. The Thousand Year Door is one of GameCube's most celebrated titles, and unlike the original Paper Mario, was never made available on any previous Nintendo eShop. However, several insider sources have corroborated Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, getting a long-awaited remaster of its own, two of which were able to confirm a release date. Nintendo's announced schedule for the second half of 2023 is looking quite light currently, outside of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC, so a release of the classic title could be a way to keep the Switch sales figures trucking along. Number 7, Mortal Kombat 12. Mortal Kombat 12's existence is pretty public knowledge because of the absolutely benign way that Warner Brothers decided to let it become so. As a publicly traded company, their investor calls are open to all to listen to. And in February this year, CEO David Zaslav just offhandedly mentioned the company's intention to release Mortal Kombat 12 in 2023. The Mortal Kombat social media accounts have recently been posting hints that are clearly leading up to something. As such, rumors that the game could get a reveal very soon are perhaps not far off the mark. At number six, Odyssey. Recently, Jez from the Xbox Two podcast dropped the bombshell that he had seen Blizzard's unannounced survival game and said that he was 90% sure the game was called Odyssey. He also remarked that it was so close to being completed in a multi-platform context that he expected it to release for all formats despite the Xbox and Blizzard merger. He continued to describe Odyssey as using stylized fairy tale art and that it was coming much sooner than most expected. BlizzCon 2023 takes place in November this year, which could be a place for the final lead-up for hype, provided the game has indeed been revealed by then, releasing in time for that key holiday season. Number five, Castlevania's reboot. Woo! Two- <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Two of Konami's three biggest IPs are expected to get new entries next year. The Metal Gear Solid 3 remake and several new Silent Hill games. However, Castlevania has arguably the strongest name of value of the three right now due to the success of the animated show and the highly rated Castlevania-flavored DLC for Dead Cells. So it makes sense to strike whilst the iron still remains at a sizable or suitable temperature. Sizable temperature? Dummy. <laughs> Seeing the big three of Konami coming back to back to back is extremely exciting prospect that should kick off with a return to the Belmont Dracula blood feud. Number four, Skies of Arcadia. Skies of Arcadia, released on the sinking ship that was the Dreamcast, was ported to the GameCube and never really stood a chance to become a fully-fledged IP. For RPG fans, it screams of wasted franchise potential. The Xbox-era podcast recently dropped that they had heard talk of a modern-generation remake or remaster. It may be more than just a matter of convenient timing, however. GameCube titles are a logical step to follow the inclusion of the SNES and N64 on the Nintendo Switch Online service. In addition, two other remasters expected to land this year are Baiten Kaitos and Tales of Symphonia. Add Skies of Arcadia, and that's a trio of underrated JRPG GameCube classics. Number three, Resident Evil. In December 2022, Capcom filed trademarks for Resident Evil Director's Cut. This was the name of the re-release of the original PlayStation title that brought new costumes and remixed item locations. There are likely two potential outcomes ahead, both of which may explain the game's absence from PS Plus Essential. Either it's getting a multi-format, individual storefront release, or Capcom is releasing a classics collection. Such a thing has been the fantasy of many Resident Evil diehards, a collection that honors the original PlayStation trilogy and make sure they aren't forgotten by time or overwritten by their remakes. Rumors about such a thing circle like clockwork, but a trademark registration is a good sign that at least something is happening. Number two, Persona 3 Remake. Back in March, diehard Persona fans noticed a very suspicious domain had been registered that seemed to imply the return of Tartarus. P3RJP. Certainly spells out something specific, and what's more, Atlas has a history of accidentally giving games away in this fashion. P3RJP is registered to the same hosting provider as the one behind the pre-release Persona 5 Strikers page. What this means exactly for Persona 3 isn't clear. After all, the original game, or rather the portable adaptation, was only released for the modern system in January. It's possible that Atlas plans to bookend 2023 with Persona 3 releases, especially considering that they started the year by saying they had several unannounced titles in development. And number one, drumroll please. <laughs> Jet Set Radio. When it comes to franchises that ended far too soon, Sega's Jet Set Radio suffered a fate that was ill-fitting of how stylish and unique it was. When a leaked low-quality sizzle reel appeared online that featured several Sega properties, it seemed to confirm that rumors of a return to Jet Set Radio were apparently true, if the brief footage was anything to go by. There's very little to go on here about what the title is. A new game? A remake? Or a reboot. Still, it's apparently being positioned as a community-driven multiplayer game, which makes a lot of sense. The idea of being able to craft characters, challenges, and so on, and share them with others could see Jet Set skating its way into its perfect niche. So it kind of speaks to the level of news that we've had this week, that we are reporting not on news for our main topic, but on rumors. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
anything here that you guys are interested in? There are several that I'm interested in. Uh, a Resident Evil remake, reboot, whatever. Skies of Arcadia. I have that game for the Dreamcast. It's on my backlog to play. I would really like to experience it on the Dreamcast before going through and picking up a remake. Castlevania reboot. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. What could Castlevania do to make the franchise um, a, a little bit more exciting? Not that it isn't already, but you take something with the platformers of the first and second, I'm sorry, first and third one, and you spice it up and you make it uh, a hell of a lot more interesting. I, I would definitely love to play it. Spicy Castlevania. I'm here for it. Mm, muy caliente. <laughs> the thing that excites me most of all is definitely the idea of a Castlevania reboot. And you're right. We did talk about it a couple weeks ago, and it was mentioned as being a rumor that Konami was going to announce something at E3, which is, of course, not happening anymore. So, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Who knows when if or when we'll actually get such an announcement. But, you know, this article does have a point in if they're resurrecting Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill from the dead, it makes sense that they would also bring Castlevania because these are their biggest money-making IPs and they have left them to rot for far too long. So why only bring back two and leave one behind? It doesn't make sense. Surely we've got to see some sort of Castlevania something coming up soon, whether it's in the second half of this year Maybe that's a little soon. If they're going to bring it back, I want them to take the time to do it right. But I am excited for for something Castlevania has got to be coming soon. And the other thing that excites me most is the idea of Resident Evil coming back in some fashion. I really love the idea of a classic trilogy collection, which, like this says... Something that honors the original trilogy and makes sure they aren't forgotten just because they've all gotten remakes. I hate right. that. I hate that that's what happens to stuff that has remakes. Even though that's everyone on the planet's argument in favor of remakes, it doesn't erase the original. No, it doesn't. But most people go on to only remember the most recent one and they forget about the first one that came. Like what we were talking about in the Discord the other week, The Nutty Professor. Everybody's uh, yes, talking about <laughs> everybody's talking about the remake that was 2000 I forget with Eddie Murphy. With Eddie Murphy. Nobody remembers the black and white one from the 60s except for nope. me. <laughs> so <laughs> something like this I would be all over and I would bite in a heartbeat. Ryan, which one of these catches your eye? Uh so few of them do. Uh, I'm not going to go with the, the same ones you guys listed, but the the first one that popped out to me was Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door. One of the things I think that has been lacking in the Mario space has been uh, an RPG style game. You know, originally they came out with Super Mario RPG. Oh, you hate that game. I, I didn't say I hate it. I just have a hard time getting into it. The RPG that the Mario series does have, you don't like it. And yet you want another one? Well, Paper Mario for the N64. Not bad. It's one of the few RPGs on the actual system. Uh, then you go to Thousand Year Door, which I thought was probably a better representation of what an RPG looks like. I think there was Super Paper Mario on the Wii as well, but it's it's been since probably, what, 2007 that they truly had a Mario RPG-style game. Well, they so just had, that, um, sorry, they just had the Origami King Paper Mario game. Oh, that's, that's right. True. That's true. But fans of the Thousand Year Door 
uh, obviously would be super excited to, to have something. Having it come out on the eShop, I think, would be hugely beneficial to Nintendo. I mean, they're coming out with a lot of different games. And to the point of this article, the GameCube is kind of the natural progression uh, for the next step of what's going to be available in the Switch Online. So mm-hmm. Thousand Year Door definitely sounds interesting. The other two are RPGs as well. Hmm. <laughs> I'm There's shocked. Theme. Uh, Skies of Arcadia. Yes, please bring Skies of Arcadia. Give us another version of it. Bring it or give us a remake of that game. As they, again, as they pointed out in the article, it was a lost IP, right? Where you thought it was going to go much further. You thought that there was going to be more additions to, to the franchise, and there never really was. So... I would love to see an addition to it. Skies of Arcadia is a fantastic game. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, I played it on the GameCube, so I don't know if the Dreamcast is is any different or if it's one is better than the other. So, But uh, the GameCube version is fantastic. It's really, really good. And I recommend anybody who's into kind of the, the JRPG uh, genre uh, should definitely check that one out. Uh, which also brings Persona 3 Remake. You know what? We're we're remaking great games. Persona 3 is a fantastic game. Let's bring it back. I mean, they're still doing Persona games, which is great. But uh, Persona 3, I think, would be a fun thing to add. Maybe for that one, I would think I would prefer a remaster. But by all means, that series is, is done really, really well in the past. And, uh, you know, even though I think we've lamented on here that not everything needs a remake that that would be something that i would be comfortable uh with them coming out with a remake so give me more jrpgs to play because <laughs> <laughs> apparently he has all the time in the world for 200 right? hour games <laughs> <laughs> one of these that i'm not super sure about is mortal kombat 12 Yay? Yay. <laughs> of all the big fighting game franchises that have come out, I mean, we're getting Tekken 8 this year, which is kind of exciting because it's been a hot minute since we've had a new Tekken game. Of course, we're getting Street Fighter 6, and I feel like the releases of Street Fighter games are still an event. But Mortal Kombat has been putting out new entries in this series at such a regular pace. I think Mortal Kombat 11 was out in 2019. So... This is one that while they are definitely making sure that this popular IP continues to be profitable for the company, I'm not sure that a new Mortal Kombat game is an event anymore. And the the, the way that the company broke the news of it, just kind of like, blah, blah, oh yeah, Mortal Kombat 12, kind of feels like (laughs) they just think it's another ho-hum day at the office kind of thing as well. I I have no idea what on earth they're going to do with Mortal Kombat 12 that's going to make it meaningfully different than mortal Kombat 11 i've got it i've got the i've got the special sauce here and i will boycott the game i if don't they need do not any do of this. your special sauce <laughs> <laughs> i say bring back carrie ann hoskins to play sonya blade there uh there you go. well they do the classic uh-huh. character skins already <laughs> no but she's the main character the whole time i want her oh. to, to come back. <laughs> mortal Kombat 12 colon sonya Yes. Nice. Absolutely. I like it. I would I would buy it then. Yeah. <laughs> what what's going to be different about Mortal Kombat 12 that's not different than Mortal Kombat 11 or 10 or 10 XL or what have you? Is it just going to be new characters? It, what what dynamic is going to make me want to go out and play or pick up Mortal Kombat 12 on launch day? 
Call of Duty. Oh, yeah, well, no, hey, come on, come on, come on. It's the same thing as Call of Duty. I don't go out and pick up every new Call of Duty game that comes out. <clears throat> I didn't pick up Vanguard. I didn't pick up uh, the, the the newer Black Ops or whatever. I mean, it's it's an okay point because you being part of that audience that plays that game, you could sit down and tell us what is different between the all the Call of Duty games, which is us from of the course. outside. I'm like, they all look exactly the same to me. <laughs> so I suppose the fighting game community who really freaking loves Mortal Kombat, they're all screaming right. at their, their headsets right now because they could tell us exactly what is going to be different about Mortal Kombat 12, which us from the outside, we're like, I don't know. True. I am not in the know. But to your point before that, you know, Street Fighter and Tekken are an event because we expect things to change drastically uh, as an outsider, not expecting Mortal Kombat to change drastically. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If, if you yeah. want to, if you want this game to appeal to people who are not the hardcore fans, they're going to need to do something a little more special. True. What if they made it, they changed the art style for it and they made it all the characters uh, like in chibi art. And, you know, you're. Is it still bloody though? Yes, extre- like even more so, right? Like. <laughs> oh, tell me they have high pitched voices. So, Scorpion. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yes. no. Oh, come on, Donnie. No, I, no, I'm sorry. No, thank you. Oh, Donnie says no. That franchise would be dead and buried if that were the case. I'd be all over it though. <laughs> no, of course, Donnie you says no. There's no way around it. No, oh yeah, Donnie's the deciding factor. <laughs> <laughs> no means no, Ryan. No means no. <laughs> Do you guys just want to sing it once properly and get it out of your system? Properly, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. This segment is proudly sponsored by the Leadist Podcast. It's a show where three friends and occasional guests play games about video games, including trivia, game show games, and more. Here is this week's trivia question. The legend himself, Gabe Newell, founder of the Valve Corporation and mastermind behind Steam, got his start working for Microsoft, where he led the development team to port what game that was said to prove that Windows was a viable gaming platform. Tune into the Leadist podcast this Wednesday to hear the answer. You can find the Leadist on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll also have their links in the show notes. So I knew this one, so pat on the back here. Good job, Ryan. Hey, pat, pat, pat. <laughs> so what do you think um i'm gonna say it's probably not redacted um you saying that it's not redacted is actually incorrect no way hey, you didn't give me a chance to answer she got the f- answer so it doesn't <laughs> matter you could ask me too <laughs> lord I'll just sit over here and drink my diet coke in the corner eat my saltines all that stuff <laughs> All right, fellow kids, set your beeper to your favorite ringtone, bum $5 from your parents for gas money, make sure your binder of CDs is in your car, and grab your fake ID, because where we're going, you're going to need it. This is the Retro Rewind for April 1996. 
Let's take a look at the top Billboard songs and their artists for April. We have The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harnemy. Har- Harnemy? <laughs> Bone Thugs and Harnemy. <laughs> Harmony. See you at the Crossroads. That's great. I'm going to do that from now on. See you at the Roscroats, Roscroats, Roscroats. See you at the Roscroats. And see, just like, is that guy, what? Is that guy having a stroke? (laughs) Just a little bit, but it's fine. (laughs) Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion. Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman. And that's her second hit. Give me one reason I'll stay here. You're the One by SWV. Nobody Knows This Song by The Tony Rich Project. You're Making Me High by Tony Braxton. Fast Love by George Michael. Ironic, Alanis Morissette. And Until It Sleeps by Metallica. Only one quote-unquote metal song on that entire list. (laughs) Normally you don't have any. No, not back then. Well, no, you'd have some like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Alternative rock? Yeah. yeah, like grunge. I mean, usually you, you do the retro rewinds on the 90s, and that, that was the era of old rock. And it was drowned out by like Celine Dion and Mariah Carey. Uh... Hmm. Hot at the theaters, Primal Fear. This movie really made me want to be an altar boy. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Jesus. The Birdcage, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Sergeant Bilko. Yes, my colonel. James and the Giant Peach. I think we've been discussing a lot of peaches lately. I know. Oh, my gosh. Jokes, they come full circle. (laughs) Oliver and Company, which was a re-release, I believe. Mm -hmm. Executive Decision, like when I decide to mix dairy and a medium rare steak. The movie Fear with Mark Wahlberg. It could have all been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. In the end, it will anyway. So let me in the effing house. <laughs> Flirting with disaster and up close and personal. Just like my gynecologist. <laughs> you have a Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. Now I have questions. <laughs> From the readers this month, why is Sega always ripping on its competitors? Proof. <laughs> Who could forget Genesis does what Nintendo don't? Or recent ads criticizing Sony. Sega should grow up a little. Yeah, good thing that the games industry is above that at this point. Oh, I know. And do you guys remember back in the day with all these different video game ads that um, were just kind of disgusting, that were provocative with like women in in lingerie and stuff like that? And I don't think that we could have those kinds of ads today. No way. No, the, the 90s shock advertising face. It's a time capsule in history. It is. And one of the articles that they had in GamePro was that major companies like Nintendo, Sega, and Time Warner Interactive, um, they spend millions of dollars each year on their products and promoting them. So Mm -hmm. they've received hundreds of letters in the past year from angry readers who were disgusted by what they saw in print ads. By far, the most complaints we received were for three ads in particular. Chemco's Say No to Crack butt photo for Virtual League (laughs) Baseball... It was deemed too disgusting by most readers. I assume it just shows a crack, though. It's not actually showing a butthole. Absolutely. It was two heavyset men with like wearing like maybe some like medium uh, shirts with their butt cracks exposed. That's it. 
Okay, uh, calm down, everyone. It's fine. Yeah, let me clutch my pearls for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Crystal Dynamics bug food gets agged. Um, it, it was like the, the person with their mouth up close and it had a bunch of bugs in there. And people found that too tasteless. It's like, really? Now people eat bugs and it's supposed to be trendy. Yeah, there's like cricket flour that you can purchase. Yeah, or you just roast crickets and spices and stuff and you can <laughs> yeah. get, uh, you know, chocolate covered tarantulas and, and scorpions and mm. people eat this stuff. Gex was ahead of his time. <laughs> it was. He was a trendsetter. <laughs> So back then, when the Nintendo 64 was still called the Ultra 64, they're talking about how games may cost over $100. <laughs> and the question was, what's the absolute most you would spend for a game for the system you own if you knew in advance the game was going to be great? Oh. And that's a good question. But if that means that if the game is going to be, if like the replay value is there, if I can play that game for like the next three or four years, would it constitute spending $100, $200 on the game because I'm going to get that much use out of it? And honestly, with the way DLC works nowadays, you kind of are, whether exactly. you realize it or not. <laughs> so they're going to get your money one way or another. But back then, you weren't getting a DLC on your N64 game. So. No, not at all. No, yeah. and nothing on the N64 was going to last 100 hours. Ooh, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Superman 64, maybe? Uh, okay, nothing that was great was going to last 100 hours. <laughs> Those type of games were going to be on the PlayStation. Ooh, Good hot point. take. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, Retro Pat, I hope you're listening. <laughs> In the video game news this month, Atari Corp's president of North America Operations, Ted Hoff, has abruptly resigned amid reports that the company is about to depart the video game business. Oh, and they definitely did. <laughs> yeah, they, they totally exited, right? Yep. Uh, Atari Jaguar did absolutely nothing uh, from a market perspective. It barely came out with games and yep. uh, that they put all of their money into that sucker. So, yeah. Whoopsie. Catching the leading video game companies off guard, sales of 16-bit hardware and games far outpaced 32-bit sales during the recent holiday season. Genesis and SNES combined for four million, whereas Saturn and PlayStation barely topped one million. Many consumers found the next gen systems too expensive, so they headed straight for the 16-bit racks. Are people finding the PS5 and Xbox X too expensive and going for the Xbox One and PS4? No. no. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. seem to be the case anymore. <laughs> the market has acclimated. But this is 96. So if you think about it, 97 was when Final Fantasy VII came out and just did gangbusters on that Absolutely. system. So it's it's like the early days of the PlayStation. So I get it. I totally get that. Everybody was really hyped about the, the 3DO. <laughs> just buying those left and right. Yeah. So it makes sense. And honestly, if you look at some of the older titles that came out for the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis in like 95-ish, you know, because I mean, they were still making Super Nintendo games up until 98. So it makes sense. Of course. I get it. Yeah. And, and then really, they're talking about the holiday season. So that was 95. So Yeah. And if we want to take one more hot take for the evening, I'll go ahead and say that the 16-bit era was the perfect era. Perfect. Perfection. All three of us say so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Hot at Blockbuster this month, on the PlayStation, Crazy Ivan and Assault Rigs 
On the Saturn, Mortal Kombat 2 and Sega Rally Championship. On the Genesis, College Slam and Pocahontas. And on the SNES, <laughs> College Slam and NBA Live 96. Okay, take back what I just said about the 16-bit era being perfect. Pour one out for the 16-bit fans this month. Oof. I've only played Sega Rally out of all those games that you just announced. <laughs> Come on, I know you're a closet Pocahontas fan. <laughs> By the wind. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a look at the games released this month, Breath of Fire 2 for the SNES, Doom on the 3DO, Galaxian for the PlayStation, Mega Man X3 for the PlayStation and Saturn, Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together for the Saturn, Toy Story for the Super Nintendo and Genesis, seems to be a theme there, (laughs) and Warcraft 2 Beyond the Dark Portal for PC. Ooh, okay, that but hits. Breath of Fire 2. So 16-bit era's back in business. <laughs> She's back, baby. Yep. <laughs> it is, but the original Breath of Fire wasn't that great. I like uh, it. 2 is so much better than, than the first one. The, the first it? one is just disjointed. It's all over the place. 2 is a much, much better game. Okay, but play okay. the first one with a walkthrough, and it's great. <laughs> Okay, kids, thanks for hanging out with me this evening. This concludes our retro rewind for this month. I gotta go. I'm renting a PlayStation from Blockbuster tonight, and I want to make sure I get one. It's only $14.99. Wait, what's with this $400 deposit? Yeah, I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Blockbuster ain't that stupid. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've never rented one of these from Blockbuster, but when when I heard that there was like a several hundred dollar deposit... The average kid is not renting that, and the, no the average parent is not putting that much money down for it. I do remember us. I, I think it was the PlayStation that we did rent it from Blockbuster. Uh-huh. No, and my mom was like, "If you f- this up, I swear to God, I will murder you." <laughs> <laughs> so we got it home, and you're like, "You're putting it down all gingerly, right?" Like, oh, everybody, get out the white gloves. We don't want to hurt it. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what it was. My parents, even if you were getting the money back in two days, my parents were going to put down four hundred dollars for anything. Yeah, no kidding. Like, it's a guarantee you're going to get this back. Nope, you're not separating me from my money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Your parents' fists grip tighter (laughs) on the wallet. No. I've become my parents. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to episode 69 of Gamers Week podcast. And a big thank you to the Retro Game Club podcast, the Leadest podcast, and Love Retro BTW for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to check out their links in the show notes. If you want to connect with Gamers Week, follow us on Twitter at Gamers Week PC. Email us at gamersweekpodcast at gmail.com. Watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash gamersweekpodcast. And don't forget to tune in for our live stream podcast this Monday, the 24th at 630 Pacific, 930 Eastern. Visit our merch store at gamers-week-podcast.creator-spring.com or if you want to do it the easy way, follow the link in the show notes. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gamersweek. And finally, since you made it all the way to the end of this episode, please leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we did. We really do value your feedback. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for us tonight. I'm sure these two want to sing us out with the Peaches song. (laughs) Donnie, start us off. 
Peaches, 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 peaches. I can't. We're not in sync. I can't do it. When I start it, then you come in, and all of a sudden it messes me up audibly, and I'm just like, I'm sure Blue can splice it together just right. I'm not gonna do that much work. You two can sound like idiots. I love you. Good night, everybody. Good night. 69, dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have one last one. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut, patrons with benefits. This is the unscripted patron-only bonus cast with less editing and more dirty jokes. We don't know where the conversation will go, but we're sure it will be weird. This fish just went right on my nipple. And I'm just like, <laughs> I Google Street Fighter 6. The first search result that comes up is, people think they can see reused in the Street Fighter 6 reveal. <laughs> Listen up here, kids. You're not going to want to get one of those VDSTDs things, right? Make your fall off. When you go, grab a pro. You'll be doing it for America. That was perfect. (laughs) If you want to hear weekly episodes of our patron-only bonus cast, join us at patreon.com slash gamersweek.